Welcome home to a life without limits, where you honor your alignment, nourish your soul, and awaken your inner goddess. Some days we fly, some, well, we've got you, sister. Abundance is your birthright. This is your remembrance. Hot Mess Goddess, juicy conversations for a luscious life. This week, we bring a little color into the podcast with Moana Robinson, who has a vast experience as a beauty therapist, image consultant, and life coach. And she manages to merge them all into her own modality of how she helps others not only look and feel good on the outside, but also that it starts from within. We cover color psychology, why not every girl should have a little black dress in her wardrobe, as well as the process of writing her book. So whether you're driving or on the couch, Set the intention to soak up the goodness. Welcome, Moana, to the Hot Mess Goddess podcast. I'm so thrilled to have you on here today. Thank you so much for having me, Sally. I'm really honored to be on your podcast. You are a personal stylist and an image consultant, and you're a published author. You've written a book about it. It's a beautiful book, too. So can you share with us some of what you do, the juice involved? The book that I wrote started as being a styling book. And I thought I can use the information that's on my online styling course and put it in a book because there was so much information contained in that online program. What it expanded to was the first part of the book is all about the inside. So the confidence and the personal life experiences of mine and of other women as well. And then I go into part two, which is the styling, the more technical aspects of color and style. So it's sort of a book about the complete woman and it's uh, living with Sassen style over 50, but that's mainly because I'm over 50, almost at the other number. You certainly don't look it. You look amazing. Oh, thank you. And I've had a few people saying, oh, I didn't get the book because I thought I had to be 50, but my daughters enjoyed reading it. It's for all women and also even for men so that they can appreciate what it's like to be a woman and everything that makes up a woman. Really, I just want women over 50 to know that there is another exciting stage of life yet to come. Yeah, definitely. And another thing that I took out of the book is the earlier you start with all of these tips that you have in there, because it's jam-packed full of amazing things, like you're never too young to actually start this. That's right. Even if you're just experimenting and thinking about things, you can start to take notice. And I feel that life is all about that, stopping and taking notice. And you can start to take notice of what suits you and when you feel good and how you feel when you wear certain colors, how you feel when you wear certain styles. And this is how your style personality develops. Because the style personality you have when you're in your teens and then 20s and 30s and 40s and so on, it's all going to change change it evolves it does although for me probably not so much I was wearing something the other day and my daughter said mom you look like you're stuck in the 90s I went oh <laughs> okay 
Okay. I really did enjoy that outfit though. So it made me feel good. That's her perception. Yeah. 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 It's interesting, isn't it? I really think that as long as you can take notice of how you feel when you're wearing an outfit, that's when you're going to feel good. Yeah. It's all about how you feel. It makes such a big difference. They've decided to get me a session with you styling tips for, I think my 50th birthday when it comes up. So I'm excited about that. Yeah, that would be wonderful. I do think that we evolve as we get older. And in some ways, I feel better now in myself than I did when I was in my 30s. Definitely. Yeah, I do too. And talking about all of the, you know, because the first part of the book is all about the inside, which to me is always the most important anyway. I have friends in their 20s that are automatically doing this stuff. And, you know, it seems to be some of the women that are a little bit older that I know that have never done that sort of work. So that makes such a big difference. And I'm so happy to see women and men younger and younger now finding the importance of that inner work. Definitely. And the inner work I feel is way, way more important than the outside image. They kind of go hand in hand. You know, if you look good, you feel good. And if you feel good, you look good. It just, you just shine on the outside if you're feeling good on the inside. I hadn't heard of it before, but I was listening to someone talking about smiling, a smiling meditation. Have you heard of that before? I have, yes. Yeah. And she was speaking about as we get older, you have a that expression on your face. I think it, they call it a RBF, resting bitch face. Oh, yeah. And the smiling meditation helps you to smile with your eyes. And so that sort of means that if you smile with your eyes and you sort of feel it going down towards your heart and it's talking about your heart actually smiling. Oh, how beautiful. Yes. I must find out about this meditation because if your heart is smiling, that's sort of how everything comes out through your eyes and your eyes warm up. And as a personal stylist, that is the goal for you to wear the colors that highlight your skin tone and your eye color and your hair color, but for whoever you're talking to, for their eyes to be drawn to your eyes and to your face. And if your eyes are smiling, even if you're not actually smiling with your mouth, it still helps other people to warm to you and other people to feel comfortable around you. Yeah. Yeah. The eyes are the window to the soul, aren't they? They are. And you know, we all have crappy days and we all have bad hair days. And when you're having one of those, I never feel as confident. I want to wear a hat and I want to hide and put my hair over my face. It makes a big difference. It does. That's why you feel so wonderful when you've been to the hairdresser. Yes. And so... Your beautiful book. I've spoken to a couple of publishers and people that specialize in this, but from a writer's perspective, how did it all evolve? I went to a half-day workshop. Actually, one of my clients invited me to the half-day workshop. So I attended just with an open mind, just out of interest, because I had read her book and I wanted to go along to support her. But after the workshop, I just had that idea. I thought, wow, I've already got this all this information. I don't think we realize how much information we actually have inside of us or information that we've used in previous assets that we have, like an online program or just study material, articles we've written. And I thought, I'm sure I could write a book. I've written chapters and books before. I've contributed to magazines before. My dad wrote a book. That was one of the uh, main reasons I wanted to 
write the book and I dedicated the book to my mum as well. She's always been interested in writing and she wanted to write her memoirs and she's in her 90s now. She was always talking about writing a book and I thought I don't want to get to that age and regret not having written a book. Yeah. Yeah, I went to, I signed up to write the book and then promptly went away overseas for seven weeks on a dream holiday. That was delayed but then I managed to write it and have it published four months later. Four months from concept to publishing. Oh my goodness. I guess you had a lot of the information already done. I did. Yes. And it was like a treat for me to get some time to write the book. And a lot of the time um, with our other business, we've been on the road traveling and I've just been in the back of the car, even when we've had other people there just with my laptop typing away. Or if I thought had an idea, I would dictate it into my phone. Any minute I get, I devote it to writing that book. Mm. I'm still in shock about the four months because I think mine took close to two years, maybe. I was determined to start something and really finish it and call it mine. Yeah, really excited about finishing it. And really, and my favorite number is number 10. It got delivered to me on the 10th of December. And I had my launch party on the 10th of January. Oh, it's so exciting. And it's such a beautiful book. Oh, thank you. Yeah, it's all come together. And now I went Amazon bestseller too on the 3rd of March. My sister's oh, congratulations. Thank you. Yeah, so that was good. It's a book that I think will be the start of my writing journey. I'd love to learn more about writing, but hopefully it's in a conversational kind of style. That's the feedback I've had that it's easy to read. Yeah, I was going to say from an editor's point of view, I don't think you need formal education when it comes to how to write because it comes from the heart. Mm. And that's where you have editors to give you those tips and things on the content. Yes. And you sort of can tweak from there, but you already write naturally. So that's my biggest tip is to write how you speak. Thank you. That's good because a lot of people have said that they felt as though they were just sitting on a couch talking to me when they were reading the book. Yeah, perfect. It's when people try to, um, just some editing tips here thrown in for the hell of it. It's I think it's when people try to be formal or they try to sound like they're writing a school essay, which has to be correct grammar and correct, you know, everything like that. And for a copy editor, correct grammar isn't necessarily a good thing when you're writing. It's just not. It worked for school and certainly for technical publications and things like that. It's great. But when it comes to writing a book that the average person is going to read, then you need to speak like the average person speaks in, or in your tone, of course, in your unique voice, but it has to be conversational. And it's such a good experience, especially dictating into your phone. It also makes you realize how many times you do say those filler words, not necessarily the ums and ahs, because the ums and ahs are more people when they're nervous, when they're doing some public speaking. I didn't realize how many times I said so, and I had nothing to be nervous about because I was dictating. I was just by myself. But that really brought that out to light. And also my mum helped me with some of the proofreading and she pointed out the number of times I said each and every, like each and every day. You sort of learn a lot about yourself from writing a book. For sure, because we have those words that we we are familiar with and that we're comfortable using. And that changes too as you grow. The words we favoured as teens isn't necessarily the words we favour now, but for sure. And that's why it's so important too to have a proofreader or an editor that picks up on those things because it just makes it more readable. That's right. And as well as learning from writing the book, 
my goal is for the readers to realize that the best thing you can do is learn about yourself. So learn about the colors that suit you and the styles that suit you and what triggers you, what sets your emotions off, what makes you happy, what makes you sad. The more you learn about yourself and understand about yourself, the more you understand other people, the more empathy you have for other people and the more rapport you can build with other people. It's one of the most powerful things you can do is know yourself thoroughly. Oh my gosh, isn't it? And that is a lifelong journey in itself, but so rewarding. I'm a country girl. And so my wardrobe is very basic. And I did have my, I think it was my colors. I'm not sure of the professional term of it, but I had my colors done a year or two ago when I was getting a professional photo shoot done. I was a bit shocked because some of the things that I I love, blue and white stripes, I just wear them all the time. And she's going, nope, get rid of the stripes. They don't suit your tone. I still kept some stripes, by the way, because they make me happy. But um, yeah, it was really interesting to see the colors that she recommended. And when she held them up to my face, you could really see the difference. And I had no idea. Yeah. Actually, I'm wearing stripes today, see? <laughs> I, when I'm doing a color consult, I keep going until the client can see what I can see. It's like the light bulb going on and they can understand why certain colors suit and some colors don't suit. And there's more to it than just the color. There's also contrast, value contrast and color contrast whether you're light or dark is just the start of it and then you've got the undertone and then you've got the contrast so whether you suit softer colors or clear colors you know or muted colors so there's a lot a lot involved and a lot of the clients had an idea about the color but they didn't understand about the contrast yes true and I always thought I would be I think it was a warm or a cool spring or something like that because I love all those spring colors color palettes. And I ended up being autumn. So I was a bit surprised about that, but that was without my hair blonder and that was with my natural hair and natural skin tone. So was your hair light brown? I think at the roots it was. She had my hair covered so you couldn't see my blonde. Oh, see, a lot of people ask me what they would be and it's very hard to judge until I start draping them. Yes. Yeah. So I use the absolute color system, which is quite different to, I think it's the Color Me Beautiful color system. And there are 18 swatches and 50 colors in each swatch. Oh my Lord. Yeah. It's interesting because we go on a journey. That's what I say to my client that we go on a journey. And with the situation that we've had lately, I'm starting to do online color consultations. Wow. Yeah. How are you managing with that? Uh, Really good. I've got a couple of people that I'm going through the process at the moment and there is a lot more client participation instead of the client sitting there in front of the mirror and me draping them. It's a matter of me sending a sheet out to them with an example. It's a photo of me without makeup on and a good light and a bad light and how to take the photo and then they get a photo taken. It's easier if someone else takes their photo. Exactly how to look at the camera the type of light and where the light's got to be coming from. They send me the photo and then I do the colour analysis and then a Zoom call with them and go through everything, absolutely everything to do with the colour, the contrast, you know, the value contrast and things like that. It's sort of more of an involved process from the client's point of view as well, but definitely same result. Yeah, it is. And it's fabulous to get done. I never thought that I would ever do it. And I've realized that I can now pull stuff out of my wardrobe and just know that it's going to feel good. Yeah. It's, it's a lot. I did get rid of quite a few things that just 
once she held them up to me, I realized even though I might've been attracted to the color, it just didn't work because I have the natural pinky red tones in my skin. I used to always complain of, oh, my face is so red and I'd try and put a heap of foundation on it. Once I got rid of those clothes, I don't have that issue anymore. Mm, It's quite enlightening, isn't it? And you understand why if you're wearing the right colors, even if you're not feeling very well, people can say, oh, well, you look great. Well, if you wear wrong colors, people can say, oh, you're feeling okay. You know, you don't look very well or you look tired. Then you also realize why you bypass certain clothes in your wardrobe. We see people who've got too many clothes, you know, sort of say they're taking up rent-free space in your wardrobe. You should be able to reach in and grab anything within five minutes and know that it's going to suit you. Yeah. Mm. We better talk to my daughter about that. She's a hoarder. (laughs) I've got too many clothes too. The trouble is I like all my clothes. (laughs) I love clothes. I love the challenge of putting different outfits together as well. Yeah. Yeah. Another thing I found too, clearing out some of that stuff. It's just amazing that when you can put something on, it really reflects who you are. And I had no idea that your clothes could actually do that. Like I know that obviously some people have mohawks. They have this identity around their image, but my, I don't know, it must be the Gemini in me. I feel like I change from one week to another or one day to another, or one day I can be in my work boots and out on the farm and the next um wanting to wear heels and look pretty. So it's, I always got really confused about who I was on the inside. But once you find those clothes that really feel good on, then you look yourself no matter what you're wearing. Exactly. And a style personality is something that can change and that can change with the climate where you live, the type of lifestyle, type of career or business that you've got. But your style personality is almost like having a personality analysis like a Myers-Briggs one or something like that. It really helps you to define your personality. And as I've said in my book, It's the biggest compliment you can have is if a friend is out somewhere and says, oh, I saw this top the other day. It was just so you. It just looked like you. You know, it's almost like branding yourself and just owning that look that you have. And it's easier, easier when you go out shopping. It takes that guesswork out of it. Yeah, it does. Mm. And, And just, yeah, that was the biggest bonus for me is just feeling like myself whether I was dressed up or whether I was just lounging around. It was who I was at my core. Yep, that's the most important part is to look like you. And that's why I would never want to be like a fashion stylist and um, just go by what the latest fashion is. I really feel that you can take pieces from the latest fashion or fad, but you know, not to be a slave to it and to always dress as yourself and feel comfortable. You've got to feel comfortable in your own skin. Yeah. And I think that's why vintage shopping has exploded so much, one for the price, but also you can find some beautiful gems in there that are just you. Oh, definitely. Even like clothes swapping. I had lunch with a friend and she said, I'm bringing some pants over that might fit you. And I love them. Absolutely love them. I think they'll be my favorite because they're so comfortable. They're really good quality. and, And I've given her a couple of jackets. You can get as much pleasure from clothing like that as you can from something you spend hundreds of dollars buying. Yeah, for sure. Actually, I do have a question about colors because 
I remember someone saying to me, everyone's been told that every girl should have a little black dress in their wardrobe or something black in their wardrobe. It's like a staple, but there's so many different shades of black. And I actually had to get rid of quite a few black things because they just weren't my black. And I had no idea that that was even a thing. And in fact, I was told not to wear black at all, which horrified me. What's your stand on every girl should have some black? Uh, I think if you're definitely warm colouring, it could be that black's not going to suit you. A good exercise to do is look at some of the newsreaders on TV. This is what I tell everybody. And if you've got somebody who's very, very fair or who could possibly be warm colouring and they're wearing black, it just looks like a head floating on top of what they're wearing. If you're someone who likes black and doesn't necessarily suit it, you can soften the black by having a top part sheer, you know, like lace or some sheer netting or quite a low cut top, or you can break it up with a scarf or beads and things like that. I can't imagine not having anything black in my wardrobe, even if I didn't suit black, I can wear black. Yeah, it is nice to have that little black dress. Did you say that you love black? Look, it's not something I wear a lot, but certainly in winter, I tend to wear those darker colors. And in summer, it's the brighter ones for sure. Yeah, quite often a really dark blue, like a a French navy, really dark navy replaces black. And they're warm blues and cool blues as well. I do feel if you wear black and you don't suit it, it can wash you out and you have to be careful with your makeup and things like that. I think a lot of people do end up with too much black because it's easy. Yeah, it is. I have replaced a lot of black with navy now. Yeah, that's a good replacement. I think navy or blue suits a lot of people. The same with turquoise and aqua. That's sort of a pretty universal color as well. They're my favorite colors. Yes. Not that I have them in my wardrobe a lot, but they're definitely my favorite colors that I'm drawn to. Yeah, I love the ocean colors. Black is more of a neutral So you can normally replace it with greys and blues if you don't suit black. And so can you tell yourself if you're cool or warm toned? Like, is there a little trick you can give us? Definitely. If you have got any gold material or a gold dress and silver, then hold the piece of material or article of clothing up under your chin and just take notice of the triangular area of your cheek on your face. And you will notice if you're holding the gold up and you have cool undertones, your skin is going to look quite muddy. It won't look clear. If you hold the silver up and you have warm undertones, the silver is going to look really harsh against your skin. So the idea is for you to look congruent with the material that's under your chin. Or if you don't have gold or silver, you could use gold or silver jewellery, but it's sort of a bit harder to tell with that. Another way to tell is if you suit cream as opposed to white, you're probably more likely going to be warm. And if you suit white, then you're probably going to be more cool. And then if you're in between, you're probably more neutral. Yeah, so the absolute colour system that I use It's not really based on the seasons. It's more you have a lot of colours in between. It's very accurate. And I love the descriptions. I used to be dramatic when I had dark hair. Now I've lightened my hair, so I've gone to Sublime. But they have colour swatches called Exquisite and Tranquil and Exotic. All sorts of lovely names like that. Oh, I love it. Yeah. And because some days you want to feel like I, I'm guessing in each of those, you've got your more dramatic colors and your softer ones, because some days you want to feel like I'm wearing, I don't know what color you'd call this bone or something like that today. But some days I want to feel bright. 
Exactly. And I sort of tell people that take exercise, for example, if you're going to a yoga class, you don't see many people wearing bright red and black. You'd find people wearing softer, more neutral colors, more natural looking colors. But then you walk into a gym where people are doing maybe a pump class or step class. Yeah, That's where you'd find the stronger colors. So it's sort of association. It depends on what you're doing. Oh, yeah. That brings me actually to another question from years ago when they used to talk about going to job interviews and things because I love how the mind works. And I was studying under a neuroscientist and colors have their own reactions from others when you're wearing them, as well as how you feel when you wear them. So have you got any advice on if you're going to an important meeting or something about the colors you should choose? I find color psychology very interesting. Isn't it fascinating? Again, blues are good because blues sort of signify trust, loyalty, dependability. That's why the police, you know, they have blue in their branding and banks. A lot of banks have blue in their branding as well. With a job interview, like if you're sort of wearing browns, that sort of looks, makes someone look a bit more earthy, maybe not taken as seriously. Yellow is sort of a friendly colour. So yeah, there's a lot on colour psychology. There are also positives and negatives. You know, like white, the positives are fresh, clean, clear, modern. And then the negative could be very clinical, cold. Same with black, you know, black could be classy, dignified. And then the negative could be, again, cold, somber, depressing. Oh, true that. So you could pair it with something a little bit softer or brighter or something. Yeah, there are so many things that you can do with accessories. If you're going to a corporate meeting where quite often you'll see a sea of black or, you know, really dark colours, you can just brighten it up by wearing nice bright jewellery or a scarf or something like that or a really bright handbag. So it's a way to kind of show your personality, even if you're in a corporate environment. And I notice a lot of that corporate environment's changing anyway. People are way like expressing themselves a lot more than they used to. Women are dressing more like women instead of looking like a man in a suit. Yes, exactly. A man can express himself quite well with a tie that he chooses too. Yeah. I used to work for a lawyer and he used to have a whole great big bag of ties behind his desk and he was an artist as well. So he used to have all these quite flamboyant ties. So quite often that's the way men express themselves. I think it's good if you can really express yourself with what you're wearing. And a lot of women have concentrated on their career or their business so much that they kind of lose their way with their style and their coloring. And a lot of women come to me and want me to help them with their colors and their style for if they're presenting on stage. There's an art to that as well. Yeah. Oh, there would be. And Mm. like you going back to that initial one, like rediscovering who you are after you've been stuck in that corporate world for so long and you get out and you start doing your own business from home or everything changes. And some women can feel really lost with that. Mm. It's a good opportunity to reinvent yourself, start that next stage of your life. And as we were saying before, the only constant is change and it's being able to adapt and change. And one of the most powerful ways you can build rapport is by what you're wearing. You know, if you're having an interview or having a meeting with someone, you can build so much rapport straight away because it used to be in the first seven seconds. Now it's three seconds. Oh, my goodness. Impression, yeah. That's how much our attention span has changed. Yeah. And I think even more so if you're online because you don't have the other distractions around. So that three seconds could even be one or two seconds. Oh, that's scaring me. (laughs) 
that's the good thing about once you know yourself, it gives you so much confidence. Once you've got confidence online and on stage and just in life, once you know what you suit and you know your style personality, you know the colors that you wear are going to suit you and make you look great, then you know you've already overcome half the battle. The rest is just doing whatever you do anyway. Yeah, it makes a big difference, doesn't it? Mm, it sure does. I get very excited by style and style personality and color. I think they're the two most important aspects, even probably more important than the actual style of the clothing. The style personality and the color are more unique to each individual person. Yeah. And it's good to see a lot of that coming out more and more too. Now that more women are online, it's really great to see all the personalities in those women come out in their businesses and their branding. Definitely. Yeah. You can have fun with it too. I always say to my clients that my goal is for them to enjoy getting dressed every day and have fun with your wardrobe. Yeah, right. Oh, that would be good. I haven't done that yet. I have a little four-year-old, so I'm normally just quickly grabbing something and chucking it on. Mm. But at least he always tells me I look beautiful no matter what. So that's nice. Oh, that's lovely. That's so nice. And so obviously I'm looking at your book. With some of the first half of the book that's all about the inside, what do you think is the most important thing that we can do for ourselves, who we are? Just really getting to know yourself. Stopping and asking yourself questions about the reasons why you like doing certain things and just have fun with it and have a sense of curiosity about yourself. And I think that's one of the best gifts that you can give yourself is to devote that time and that energy, as much time and energy to finding out about yourself as you would about someone else or a topic that you're interested in. I love that advice because for years we were taught not to be so self-absorbed or selfish. There were all these terms if you took time for yourself or wanted to discover more about yourself, it's like, oh, stop being so selfish. It's not all about you but it so is. It is because once you understand yourself and once you know yourself, it sort of frees you up to think of other people more and to never feel threatened to realize that you can have the sense of abundance, that you are enough. You're enough just as you are. And you can take an interest in what's going on out there. You can take an interest in other people and you listen to other people and you understand other people because you've already given that time to yourself. It's almost like I think a lot of people have this sense of resentment because they haven't devoted the time to themselves. They haven't taken the time to understand how they tick, how their body works, how their mind works, why they feel a certain way. They haven't devoted that time. So it takes the empathy away from other people. Yeah, that's so true. And also it stops comparison. The more I discovered about myself and took that time to actually, and it, I still obviously have comparison, I'm not perfect, but I noticed the more that I delve within to figure out who I am at my core, not on a surface level, but to find out who I am at my core has given me a lot more peace when it comes to being in situations with others and comparing myself to others, because I'm a lot more comfortable with who I am where I never used to be. I used to compare myself to everyone and feel crap about myself because I'd be looking at 10 minutes of someone's life that was at their best on stage or whatever else they were doing or really shining their light bright and comparing that to the worst part of myself. And that never works well. 
to what you thought was the worst part of yourself. We never see ourselves as other people see us. It's amazing. We all go through those times, don't we? Um, I know that I have. And comparison, if I really, really admire someone, now I use them as inspiration, someone to aspire to be like. When I did my coaching, you know, and I learned all about modeling and I thought, wow, that's such a great way to look at it, to model yourself on someone else that you admire. To me, that's a good thing to do. Yeah. And also like what you're admiring in them is already within you. Mm, It's a reflection. Yeah. Everything we notice about others is always a reflection back. So I love that. And how did you get into this line of work? Did you fall into it or did you have just such a passion for it always? I've always been interested. I can remember when I used to take my daughters and I used to go to this aerobics class and we all used to be standing around the circle doing the grapevine or whatever we were doing. And I remember I used to look at other women and I could always see the best features in someone else, like their eyes or their hair and things like that. But I used to think, oh, you'd look really good if your hair was this color. Not in a critical way, but I could just sort of see things like that. And I've always loved clothing. I didn't get the opportunity to do this sort of thing until later on. And I started off on my journey of doing what I was interested in. I didn't do it until I was an adult and I did a beauty therapy diploma and that was the start of my journey. And then I worked for an international skincare company as a consultant and rose to the top levels of that very quickly within 15 months and found that was quite a lot of pressure. My team was sort of following me and because I wasn't going for the incentive trips um, because I sort of didn't want to at the time, yeah, I felt a lot of pressure. And then I suddenly thought that I'd love to explore being an image consultant and did my online course once I had sort of been doing that for a little while. And the guy that was helping me with the online course, he said, a lot of what you do is coaching. I thought, oh, I might go and do a life coaching course. Well, I ended up doing the whole advanced diploma and then my master's in NLP and hypnotherapy. And I just love it all. And I thought, which one do I like the best, the personal styling or the coaching? And I just thought, I'll keep on doing both. So I've been doing both. I think you combine them both anyway. It's all merges into your unique brand of what you do. Yeah, I love it. Just love everything about it. It's amazing. And that's, I guess, the best advice is to keep following your bliss. And I'm so glad you said that because I've been so beating myself up in the last week or two going, but I love this and I love this and I love that and I love that. And oh, it just makes my brand wishy-washy if I love all these different things. But combining everything you love makes you uniquely you. Exactly. Thank you for that beautiful reminder. Yes, you can do everything. You can have it all. Oh, absolutely we can. I've just been listening to those affirmations this morning because we hear so much about niching this and niching that and having your own niche. But yeah, I think my niche is very expansive and that's not a bad thing. It's not a bad thing. And I think we are all on a journey and we are human becomings, not human beings. So the niche is that sort of evolves. I think that evolves when you go along and you're finding who you like working with and who is drawn to you. And I don't think you can just make a decision to think, okay, well, this will be my niche. It's an evolving process. Yeah, I did that initially and it's changed so much. If the universe has different plans for you, then you just have to keep following the synchronicities and following your bliss and you cannot go wrong. Mm, Well, that's the other thing. Apart from being curious, it's also taking notice of what happens around you. And I guess awareness, that's a word that's used a lot, isn't it? Being aware. 
And like the title of my book, SAS, SAS to me stands for self-awareness and self-sufficiency. Oh, I love that. Because a lot of people think that everything they need is outside of themselves, but it's inside. We're all self-sufficient inside, being aware enough of what we need to reach out and ask if we need some help or support. Yeah, so true. Yeah. Thank you so much for your time today. And how can anyone get in touch with you if they want to either purchase your book or now they can have an online styling consultant with you? So how can we get in touch? I've got a website, Be Styled for Life. So it's just the letter B, bestylefforlife.com.au. That's my website. And yes, I've got a Facebook page by the same name. I'm on Instagram. Yeah, I've got all the social media and the LinkedIn. But the main way to get in touch with me is my website and of course email moana at bestyleforlife.com.au thank you so much for your time today it's been wonderful thank you for your time sally i really enjoyed chatting with you Thanks so much for listening. If you've enjoyed this episode, we'd be ever so grateful if you'd share it around with friends and subscribe so you get every episode hot off the press. 